Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. This is not a normal hot takes on a plate here on the Believe Podcast Network. If you're listening for the first time, I usually debate my culinary world friends and other eating enthusiasts in their areas of expertise, but we're breaking from format here for some breaking food news. You're here, of course, probably for the squirrel story, for the moldy jam. You're here for how it all went down, and I have the man who broke the story here with me, Joe Rosenthal. Joe, Thanks for taking a few minutes of your time out of your busy day to uh, chat with me. Yeah, thanks for having me. Um, excited to be part of the the podcast. Well, um, you know, I'm fascinated about the story for I think maybe a different reason than most people. I think most people sure. are, are like, if they've seen the picture, the the moldy jam bucket picture, they're like, ew, huh. that's gross, and they're into yeah. sort of the sensational sort of and also maybe seeing idols kind of falling and all of that i'm really interested in it more so how this all went down because we're, we're there's this is like a new sort of frontier we're in right now with how stories break with with social media and i, I mean you're not a, a traditional journalist you're not you're not, you don't consider yourself a, a food journalist or anything like uh that. no uh and, and and normally the way i operate is when i engage with people um Every engagement is off the record. I'm just trying to learn about situations. If I share something, I explicitly ask, can I share this? It's usually anonymized. You know, I wrote an article about Anthony Falco. I interviewed countless employees from Roberta's and um, every one of them, save for two people, were anonymized. And I think, um, you know, that's not necessarily how journalists operate. You Um, are a food blogger. You have a blog, correct? You say you you, you have a, how would you describe your site? You have a site. It's a loose collection of manifestos. Okay. <laughs> uh, you want to give it a shout out? Uh, it's it's richardeaglespoon.com. Uh, okay. So it's a it's a blog, yeah. if you will. Not all yeah. food, but it's it's just sort of what a lot of people do. It's like it's uh, is it okay to kind of classify it as a hobby? Yeah, it's definitely a hobby. Um, you know, my wife and I um, cook as a hobby, and and all of these discussions of problematic people is kind of a reflection of these discussions I'm having with my wife, you know, talking through this stuff. Um, so you're, and, and that's the, kind of, yeah. I was gonna say you have an Instagram and, and you know, it, it had as of, let's say Friday, how many followers did the Instagram have Joe Rosenthal? More interesting is before Rappaport, it was 1600. Okay. For and Adam Rappaport. Friday, it was somewhere around, I don't know, maybe like Somewhere between three thousand and thirty five hundred followers. So not not Maybe bad, less, but, but it's not like this. You're not like some like influencer. This has been a crawl. Yeah, I, I post pictures of my own food that I take. Like right. I can't just post restaurant food every day. You know, it, it's been a crawl. You have a day job. What what's your day? I'm a job? mathematician. Yeah, you're a mathematician. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Just, so 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 if you are coming to this podcast because you read about squirrel in the mold in eater understand that the guy i'm talking to right now joe broke the story on instagram starting with 3500 followers that is what just blows my mind and i want to get into that a little bit okay 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 well we're gonna get into that a little bit more before we do if you like what you hear today please subscribe to the pod and rate it Five stars, of course. You can leave a comment as well. And since we're primarily an East Coast show, I think, Joe, we should probably not jump too far ahead. Let's start for, for our okay. regular listeners here on the East Coast who maybe don't know, what is Squirrel and why should they care? 
the funny thing is that I'm explaining Squirrel and I had really not much, to, I didn't know much about Squirrel okay, so before you're based Saturday Minnesota. morning. You're, you're based in Minnesota. I, I'm in Minnesota. Okay. Um, you know, right. I knew of Squirrel, you know, I think my wife and I were going to buy their jam at, at one point. Um, I, I've seen videos. That's basically it. It's not something I've thought about a lot. Um, your friend, I don't know if you want to get into this right now, how, how I kind of came across this, but, um, you know, they're, they're essentially a very hyped up, yes, you know, jam they're, company. They're very hyped um, up. Um, I know. I, I've, been, I've been there once. Yeah. I've been there once. Oh, okay. Um, I, I went in, in February. I was in L.A., and I had never been to Squirrel. It's imagine yeah. it's spelled S Q I R L because everything's yep. cutesy these days. And yep. so, I, you know, I was curious about the. It's very hyped. It's all over Instagram. It's got to reach much further than L A. Uh, I think they've probably won some awards or at least been nominated for some. Jessica Coslow is their everywhere. owner, executive chef. And so I went and I ordered the things they're most famous for. I ordered the to the ricotta toast with jam, which is the thing that's making a lot of news right now. And so I, you know, I, I got it. And if I'm being honest and you could go look at my Instagram, I'm not this is not revisionist history. What I'm about to say, I, I thought it was OK. Um, it wasn't bad, but it nothing I ate there blew my socks off compared to the hype the place had received. And so, yeah, it's Instagram pretty. They do this thing with the toast where they put three types of jams on it and it yep. looks like a rainbow. And But, you know, like it was like burnt brioche. And to me, if you're going to assertively char a bread, brioche is not exactly the one I want assertively charred. But anyway, they're, they're, they Without get a lot sugar of hype. And, yeah, doesn't make sense. Yeah, but, they get a okay. lot of hype. They're all over the food world. And so now let's get into what the story is. So give me the, the meat of the story and how all this went down. Okay, I'll, I'll start with how it went down. So, um, Alicia Kennedy on Twitter posted something along the lines of, looks like some really bad stuff happening at Squirrel and linked to this account, um, Squirrel Truth. Squirrel spelled like their, you know, S-Q-W, S-Q-I-R-L. Um, I don't know why I said W, uh, Truth. And um, it was, it was um, some screenshots of comments made on, I, I believe a Squirrel post, um, disgruntled employees. And, um, I don't know, something made me want to look into it. And so I, I, I figured out who the, um, who the, the people Comments that are on. speaking out are. Yeah. And um, turned out one of my, um, one of the people that started following me after this Bon Appetit stuff knew one of them. So I reached out, they made a connection. I think kind of just said like, this guy is okay. He does this stuff. You should talk to him. And so they said, go and, ahead. And before you go any further, the Bon Appetit stuff, um, I want to mention your Instagram. I've been following it for a while. We've communicated. We've DM'd on Instagram yeah, yeah. before. Yeah. And uh, you do some parody um, covers of Bon Appetit since they've obviously had a huge reckoning, I guess you could say, at Bon yeah. Appetit with some inequality issues and – uh, but but you've you've been sort of lambasting them in public, so I think that's enhanced your your internet reputation, if you yeah, will, because you've done some I, creative, clever stuff there. Thank you. I um I've broken some stories, you know, on the bon appetit side. I broke that Alex Delaney was suspended. I broke that um oh, I forgot Perret, that. the chief communications officer of Condé Nast um was threatening, allegedly threatening employees into silence about speaking out about the situation there. The covers serve to kind of bring attention to what's going on. You know, they're based on fact, but they're also supposed to be funny and shareable so that people can actually see that, hey, this 
employee was suspended to silence them. You know, that's the goal. And that, that's why I made those mock covers. So, um, so, so you're digging around. So Alicia, a friend of the pod, been on the pod. Uh, yep. And she put me on Alison up. Roman. Yeah, she, your podcast. You, you yeah. kind of, uh, you know, you got a little tipped off, so you start doing a little digging. You you're doing investigative journalism for, for if, if, I mean, that's really what it is. You're 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 doing some digging into what's going on there. So 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 tell me what happens. I've always done that. I mean, I think I'm not a journalist, but I've always done investigative journalism. I've always just asked people questions and tried to follow leads, like a you know, like like a journalist would. Um, but uh, in this case, you know, I got talking to one of the, uh, I, I found one of the employees, they they um, mentioned mold, and then another person reposted that and said, yeah, there's mold. And so it's like, okay, gonna follow the mold. So I, I talked to them. And I started hearing that, you know, this is, a, this is actually a tangible thing happening here that might be systemic. And so I started kind of networking out and, and talking to all these different employees. Um, well over a dozen, you know, at this point. Um, so you were able to trace down a dozen employees, current, former. Right now, sixteen. And 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 what time frame are we talking? Uh, this started Saturday morning, and I had um, almost all of them by last night. I mean, that's that's reporting, Joe. Like, I know you're not like by trade a reporter, but that's reporting. I'm not going to quit my day job. <laughs> That's that's impressive. So 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 now you got this information. What do you do with it? Okay, well, that's the tricky part. So it's not just a mold situation, and and we haven't even talked about the mold situation. But we'll get to that. I think there's there's a lot of things happening. The mold is a symptom of the abuse at Squirrel, and it's all wrapped into this giant food media. Problem right. And by the way, I, I start I started with the mold because I think the mold is the hook that grabs people. I think people the, tend to be very visual. And when you give people a visual, it hooks them into everything else. So yes, go on. Explain. The, well, the, the, the thing is, the tricky thing is when I started digging into this, I had no idea what I was going to find on the other end. It was just I was curious what's going on with this mold. What's the story there? Um, I, I quickly wanted to link this to Jessica Caslow, the the owner, because uh, that's the logical thing to try to do, right? Did the owner know? Did the owner order it? And so I started making those links, and eventually I realized that there were two journalists who have been actively investigating the abuse situation for months. And and when you say so, abuse, what are we talking about at Squirrel? An abusive work environment stemming from Jessica and her um, potentially staff, uh, higher level staff. Um, Mistreatment of employees. Yes. And I think the mold situation is kind of just a symptom of that underlying abuse. But um, I've talked to people about the abuse. I'm aware of the abuse. I am steering clear of it on my end because I want to give these journalists room. I have given them sources that I've spoken with. That's great. I'm trying to make this happen. Another big publication's writing about this. I've given them sources. So this is getting attention, but you know, I'm focusing on the mold um, and kind of things that are tangentially related and what I don't believe is going to be covered at length in this this story. This is a um, bigger story than mold. Absolutely, and I think we should not just be talking about the mold. Mold's important. Like it's scary. It's really bad, and when you go into the details of it, it's absolutely disturbing. And I think it it, it serves as a really good example of how the abuse was kind of showing itself. You know. Um, because it's a very tangible example. Doesn't say uh, employees questioned her about the mold, correct? 
Many have told me they've questioned it uh, and that they were just given excuses, you know, stuff along the lines of you can scoop off, you know, like two inches off the top and it's fine. I was told by uh, at least a few of them that that wasn't actually what was happening. And, and a lot of times they were told just scoop off what you see. So let's explain Not- for people who haven't seen the picture. So you were able to get a picture of it was a a bucket of jam that had grown a layer of mold. No, correct? no. The bucket is the bucket. The discarded that, mold. The discarded Got it. mold. Got it. So I think the jam you're seeing in that is just excarded. But you can see this is a thick layer of mold. That so there is up. a bucket of discarded mold from other jam buckets, jam containers, yeah. whatever. Yeah. And this is something that had been going on for a very long time at Squirrel. and Almost I, a decade. Wow. And they are I, known I for their on, jam. Yeah. This is like their signature thing. Yeah. I mean... Everyone knows, everyone, everyone who's aware of it, I think is primarily thinking about the jam, except for you know, the people in LA. A lot of people like the restaurant. There's great people that yeah. were working at there making, what I've heard from people are, are great food. Not everyone loved it, but a lot of people did. And I think, I, I um, think look, I was there. It, it was, it wasn't bad food. I didn't hate it. It just wasn't, I, I thought it was a little overhyped for what it was. I didn't, you know, cause it's gotten so much attention, so much attention you know, yeah. that this is a destination place. And I thought, okay, neighborhood joint, toast and bowls and okay, like, okay. But yeah. that's that's really not even important at this point. Um, yeah, obviously that picture, which again, it, this is audio, so we can't show it to you, but it's it's pretty gross. It's, it's, it's I very I wouldn't even gross. post it in my story directly. No, you directed people wanna... to a link. Yeah, and that's because I, I think it's important to see but I think it's really disturbing and I didn't want to force people to look at it. What's the number one sign of a bad home security system? How about a home security system that's so complicated you never use it? I mean, what's the point of that? Come on, people. Well, that's exactly the type of system Simply Safe has spent a decade fighting against. Simply Safe was designed to be easy to use while protecting your whole home 24-7. So simple. Just order online, open the box, place the sensors, plug it in, and your home is protected around the clock. Really, it's that simple, people. Head to simplysafe.com forward slash team and get free shipping and a 60-day money-back guarantee. That's simplysafe.com slash team. Simplysafe, S-I-M-P-L-I, safe.com slash T-E-A-M. It feels good to fear less. But what really interested me was how you told the story. So obviously I have a journalism background and in the old school way of doing reporting, you you collect all these facts, you collect all these tidbits and you start piecing the puzzle together and you get comments and reaction and you tell a narrative. The way you dropped it, you dropped it on your Instagram stories. It felt almost like a reporter throwing their reporter notes just like up on a wall, like Carrie Matheson in, in, in Homeland with her big board. Like you were throwing out your big board, you know, you were throwing out your just just, you know, here are the things people have sent me and just throwing it out there and letting us sort of put the, you know, put two and two together. And I, I thought that's just it was like it was almost like the information was being released in real time, which I find fascinating. Sort of not really. Um, okay. Obviously, there's a lot more that I know. That is not in my story. And and honestly, you know, parts of that today are just because I'm trying to keep my head above water. You know, it's just crazy. You have a day job. But 
<laughs> yeah. Um, I told them, hey, I'm going to do a podcast interview. Uh, I'll send you the link when it's up. <laughs> and um, yeah, um, I have a day job. I work on um, you know, cancer work, trying to help improve diagnostics for cancer. Um, been working on COVID a little bit too, ever since that hit. Um, more sometimes more than this. For some people, no. Um, I think this is a problem that lives at the intersection of, of the restaurant industry and food media. And I think um, it's so much bigger than just one restaurant or even all restaurants are doing this. It is food media is feeding into this problem and it's this terrible feedback loop. And, and I think- absolutely. It really just flows in perfectly with everything I've been talking about with Bon Appetit and, and, you know, Anthony Falco and all that stuff. You know, it all is the same thing. Yeah, because I was going to say, this isn't the first time you've delved into what people are up to. I mean, this seems to be like the the first time it's really, really, really gained massive traction, I think it's safe to say, where it's like, like this blew up. I mean, Eater's writing about it like like almost instantaneously after it's happening. I mean, that's you're, you're getting reach and you're also feeding journalists information, which I think is great. And, and you're not, you're not monetizing it in any way that I'm aware of. No, I am. Um, my website is not monetized. I have a gift guide on there that everyone's like, you should monetize. <laughs> um, it's not monetized. Everything goes to, you know, just direct links to things. Um, but um, yeah, so essentially this isn't really, this isn't really like my, my notes, you know, when I post something, I, I try to make sure I have um, confirmation either from a, like a legitimately great source or, you know, multiple sources that are good. Um, you know, I didn't even post about this until I actually had a sense of um, the fact that like there's a quarter inch layer of mold being scraped off regularly. Well, you're doing and, the um, work, you're doing the research. You're not just willy nilly throwing yeah, things out like, there. I won't but... make a claim before I know it, you know, I didn't talk about Jessica Caslow knowing anything about it until I had a sense that she directly knew about it. And I had somebody on, you know, to me say, I, I asked, did Jessica order you to do this? You know, that's the kind of question. Yeah. And and she's responded and she didn't really deny it. No. I mean, <laughs> that's the thing. Like she didn't, she, she kind of fessed up to it in a way that made it sound less offensive, but. Well, you know. The mold, people were eating there for years and not everyone was getting sick. So it's not like this is necessarily a terribly toxic thing that everyone's going to die from. But there are people that are allergic to mold that have claimed to have gotten sick. And that's not causal. That's just a fact. People with mold allergies have gone there and have gotten sick. And that can happen and that can be dangerous for people. And I think that's really problematic. And I think beyond that, we just don't know what's there. You know, they had these these containers of, of jam in this hidden secret kitchen, which we haven't talked about. There was a kitchen that the yes, please talk jam about was being made in that the health inspectors were allegedly told didn't exist. They were told that the jam was made in an offsite location. And so when the health inspectors were there, this this was like a next door thing. So you'd have to exit out and go in. They were told that it, the jam is made offsite. There's nothing to see here. The lights in that location were off, the door was locked, and the employees were in it because obviously if the employees weren't in it, what's their job? Why are they there? Um, and so they put a garbage bag in front of the door to block any sort of ambient light. Um, and they would just stay there in the dark. One employee said that there were rats, oh. dead rats all over there. Not everyone has talked about the rats. Some people didn't know about the rats, but at least a few of them have talked about the rats. I um, And these mold containers, Sorry, Freudian slip. Jam containers 
we're stored in this environment with the lids off. We don't know what they were exposed to. One of my sources said that the, the fan itself in the walk-in had mold. Is that mold from the jam that has just mm. managed to get up there? I don't know. One employee described the environment as like filled with a, a dust. And I asked what kind of dust? And he said mold dust. And what this is, is that? <laughs> but the fact that this story, I mean, obviously that that is mistreatment of employees and, and, yes. and obviously mismanagement and all of that. But the fact that it has been quiet for this long speaks to the amount of power people like her wield at this point. She is immensely powerful. I had people tell me that she has a lot of friends in the industry. Um, and, and I'm glad you said that because I think that's the other thing. And this is this all ties into how these stories are breaking now, which is food media is the most incestuous media genre I think there is. I, I you know, as somebody who's been in it, it's not like if you're covering like if you cover celebrities, right? Most journalists who cover celebrities are not friends with the celebrities by and large because those celebrities are just living a very different life. Same with professional sports. Like pro, like professional athletes who make 20 Chip million dollars a year. With Brady. Yeah. You know what? Professional athletes who make 20 million dollars a year and the the beat reporter who makes 80,000 a year have nothing in common. Nothing. No. However, food media most of these chefs are not multimillionaires, and they are hanging in the same circles often as the people who are covering them. And it makes it, it's hard to be objective when you are friends with your subjects. And so yeah. I, I don't know if that played into this, how this all went down. If maybe people, I'm not saying they knew things, but it, it's hard to kind of look into things when it's somebody that you're buddy buddy with. I know a lot of journalists, and I know that if they knew, they would pursue this. I know journalists that, that might be friendly with her that would have pursued this. I think the fact is people just didn't know because there's this culture in food media of not really looking for that. You know, Exactly. You and that's what I was getting at. The positive things. You write about, oh, you know, she's got this great jam, not, oh, the recipes are taken from these chefs who openly talked about it. You know, there's her, her former head chef talked about it. Uh, it's not. Were, I was gonna say it's, it's, it's not intentional. It's just it's when you are friendly with someone, you don't have that motivation to look. It's not that you're trying to ignore the story. There's just not a motivation to go after your friends. Nobody wants to go after their friends. I don't. That doesn't mean I don't get stuff about them that comes <laughs> in my way, and you know it's a, it's tough. I don't know what the answer is there. When I, I think um. I think it's unreasonable to ask that, you know, you don't befriend chefs. I mean, I'm friends with restaurant people. I'm friends with journalists. You can't. They're easy to be friends that. with. I mean, yeah. it, people who are good in the hospitality indus industry are good for a reason, right? Like they're good at hospitality. They're good at making you feel at home. Like those are easy people to befriend. They have some, they're really thoughtful people. It's yeah. like, there's a lot of interesting discussions you can have with them. I think, um, some of my best friends are her own restaurants. I think, um, you know, what I do isn't really an indictment on that or that culture. It's, uh, you know, the culture of, you know, friendship. It's, it's, you know, I want to kind of give a voice to the people that can't really get it out there. It does feel like, like this moment is sort of, how do I put it? It's almost like if you think back to high school, right? Yeah. And, you know, there's there's like the prom kings and queens and the very popular people. And 
maybe they're not always the nicest people, but they get the most attention and the most love and all of that. And it's clicky. And, you know, it turns out years later, it's the, the, the kids who were overlooked often in high school that end up having the most success. And maybe. Th- this moment almost feels like that sort of, maybe it's a bad analogy, but like I think about like the Allison Roman situation and I think about this situation. And I think about Rappaport and Bon Appetit, and it feels yeah. almost like, you know, like the, the little people are, are coming for their steak right now. You know, it's like it feels like maybe the people who got a little too high and mighty are, are bringing brought, being brought down a peg in a very sort of, I don't know, populist way. Yeah, I mean, I think. Obviously, anyone can shout. Anyone can say anything. But I think, you know, there's a lot of people that have just been screaming this stuff and no one's finally breaking through. It's finally breaking through. And in ways that we've never seen. Right. Like, like we're talking about like, like this story, but like, think about like Tammy Teclamarian, right? Yeah, Like she broke the Bon Appetit story with Adam Rappaport on Twitter. Yeah. She posted, um, I believe she posted the, the old tweet, reposted the tweet about Adam Rappaport golfing with Trump. And, and that, yeah, that's she, yeah. She, she broke the LA Times story. Yeah. She broke the LA Times story with Peter Meehan. Yeah, Peter Meehan would probably still be there if not for Tammy on um, Twitter. She wasn't and, and breaking just, that in a newspaper. No, no. And and she's a you know she's a freelance writer. She is. Um, she is. But but there's no no the publications weren't writing about this. This was her no. on Twitter. Um, she you know she broke that tweet. But the big thing she broke was was actually she she leaked the picture of. Yes. Um, of Adam Rappaport and Brownface, which he later disputed being Brownface to Jezebel on the basis that there is no makeup, uh, which is a whole not- I could talk for hours about the Bon Appetit situation, but yeah, that's a whole other thing. But it, it really is amazing how, I mean, to circle it back, you know, you're a, a, obviously a very smart guy, but a regular guy with a day job who has an Instagram with a, a few thousand people. It's not some massive, you know, it wasn't only 100,000 people. Yeah. It's not 200,000 people, a few thousand people who decided to do the work and follow up with these people and put things out there. And it's like, boom, now traditional media with its millions of of followers and audience are following you. I mean, it's amazing well, how democratic this whole thing is now. It wasn't always that way. You know, okay, so I, I call myself a, a food antagonist, right? And I think, you know, I've mostly operated in this pizza sphere. And I think, you know, writing about Matt Hyland, writing about um, Anthony Falco, I've always felt like I was the antagonist in this industry that wanted to maintain the status quo, wanted to keep these figures because like they were benefiting. You know, people benefit from Anthony Falco. Um, he's such a powerful figure in the pizza world. I think not everyone knows him outside of that, but like people are actually genuinely scared to speak out. And people just don't want to rock that boat because they're it's all wrapped up in, in him. You know, there's rebel connections. There's and so I've become kind of this antagonist in the, in that industry, even though I'm I don't view myself as the bad guy. I don't view myself as the antagonist. And so I've kind of like tongue-in-cheek adopted that. But for the most part, nobody was listening, you know, when I was saying this stuff. Um, and now I, they I've are. Been, I've been shouting about this stuff, even with Alison Roman. I dug deep into that, thanks to you and, and to Alicia Kennedy. Um, and, and not that many people were listening. And now it's just suddenly, I don't know. Um, I haven't processed it. 
Well, it sounds like this story is just beginning with Squirrel and, and Jessica and, and the empire she built and absolutely possibly yeah. built in a way that is going to come out that won't be very pretty for her. Uh, but yeah. Joe, thank you so much because, you know, you definitely raised the profile of all that's going on. And it's important to do that when we're exposing things, especially in this period of time that we're in right now. Thank you so much, Joe, for the time. And thank you for listening again. Hot Takes on a Plate is part of the Believe Podcast Network. That's B-L-E-A-V. Check us out at B-L-E-A-V.com. And if you like what you heard, make sure to subscribe, rate the show. Five stars, of course. And if you want to follow me on social media, I am at Rob Patron TV on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And Joe, what's your social media? Uh, I'm Joe underscore Rosenthal on Instagram. That's the one you want to follow. Follow this Instagram. It's a good one. Joe. Thanks so much. I appreciate it. Till next time. Ciao. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.